My Car Guru, episode 193. Well, hello, everybody. This is Lenny Lawson, the Car Guru, and uh, I'm kind of tired already this morning. I had to hook up my 34-foot travel trailer. Have you ever done that? Well, you know, usually it's the man thing to do. My wife loads all the groceries and, you know, her things. I've got to get my own stuff together, clothing-wise. But as far as all of the hookup stuff, you got to get that right. I'm, I'm pulling my, let's see, it's a, I always get confused. What It's a Keystone Bullet Premier. So I don't know what that means. It's got two slide, or no, sorry, three slide outs. It's got an outdoor kitchen that you can open up this big flap on and, you know, cook outside, which I have done several times. It's got a grill built onto the back of it. Um, and when you slide everything out, it's it's like a little condo. It sleeps 10. I wouldn't want to sleep 10. Um, may, it's more like four adults and maybe four kids. It's got bunk beds in the back. It's really nice. It has a little island in the middle of it. You feel like you're in a you know a kitchen in the middle of a, somebody's house. But <clears throat> all of that only weighs 7,500 pounds. Now, that just kind of freaks me out. I can't believe it weighs so little. I tell you what, it feels like a lot more than that when you're pulling it. I think that's because it's just so bulky. But anyway, I have to use an equalizer hitch, which basically connects the frame of the camper to the frame on the truck. If you don't have that, you get a lot of bouncing, and it, it it's kind of hard to control. But I'm telling you, um, it's a job getting it all together, and you have to get it right. You know, there's just too many things that can happen. Um, I've never seen a trailer come off of a, uh, a truck going down the interstate. I've seen the aftermath before, and I've seen some videos of that, and it's not good. It is not good. Um, you, so it's really incumbent on the person who's hooking everything up, and it is easy to forget something. There's so many different steps you have to do, but that is one of those things that I triple-check and knock on wood, I won't have an issue today. Where am I going, you say? Oh, I'm going to Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. You ever heard of Pigeon Forge? If, if you're listening from uh, someplace in another country or state, you may not know where Pigeon Forge is. It's part of the Smoky Mountain experience. Uh, we're also getting a Bucky's at that exit. You know what a Bucky's is? That's that like it's like a 7-Eleven on steroids. It's like a the Walmart of gas stations. And they serve brisket. So anybody that serves brisket is okay with me. Their food bar is not really food. It's it's all jerky. So it's probably got 50 different kinds of jerky. I wouldn't call that a health food store, would you? But anyway, trying out a new campground. It's called Margaritaville. You know, if, if you've never heard of Pigeon Forge, you probably heard of Dollywood. Well, it's it's right there. I doubt if I'll be going to Dollywood. Probably just going to see what's new down there. And, you know, I had at the beginning of, well, early in March, I started making reservations to camp because last, the year before, I had a terrible time finding any place that had any spaces. So I just went ahead. I said, honey, I'm going to make some reservations. How do these weekends look? And she said, well, they look fine to me. So there were four of them. Well, I didn't realize I was going to have a heart issue. So that knocked out two of those camping trips. And then the other two were just knocked out by life, different circumstances. So here we are 
September the 23rd, and I still haven't camped, but I'm getting ready to. And I really enjoy the experience. You know, if you haven't, okay, I I get it. 34-foot camper with three slide-outs, 50 watts of power. That's not really camping, you know, compared to what I used to do. My dad, we used to go look at campers, but he never would splurge for one. We used a tent, and it was luxury if you actually got to sleep on a cot, a fold-out cot, instead of, you know, just on the ground. Really, my brother and I slept on the ground. Mom and Dad had cots in our tent. So my camping, early camping experiences aren't anything like my senior citizen camping experience. And a lot of people have a lot better than me because they have a motorhome, you know, and they're pulling something behind that. I guess my main point here is if you're pulling something, it is your responsibility to make sure that it's safe and that you know how to drive a vehicle that has a a camper behind it because a lot of people don't. I got behind a lady today driving here and just all over the road. I looked, of course, what's she doing? She's on her cell phone. Uh, All of us see that, and then we repeat that. We do it ourselves, right? We will just come down hard on those strangers because they're on their phone, and then our phone rings, and there we are looking at it. Or we get a text, you know, a little ding that says we have a text message, and we're grabbing it, we're looking at it, and we're taking our eyes off the road for about three to five seconds, and that's plenty of time to travel 100 yards at 60 miles an hour. So we just have to be careful with those kind of things. So wish me luck. And it's a good thing I'm not driving the uh, F-150 Lightning electric truck to pull my camper because I probably wouldn't make it there. You know, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen when they eliminate all these internal combustion engines 20, 30 years from now, and um, people need to pull campers. What are they going to do? Because it really does suck the juice out of a, an electric uh, vehicle, the battery um, for example, on an F-150, I saw a test where the driving range under normal circumstances was 320 miles, and they were pulling a camper equivalent to the size of mine. I think it was between five and 7,000 pounds, and they made it uh, exactly 100 miles. So that's some pretty drastic reduction. Of course, the same is true to a degree. Um, with the gasoline, it, it's just that there's a whole lot more gasoline stations around, and that, that's what makes me feel more comfortable. My um, F-150 is a power boost, so it, that means it's a hybrid. It gets about 21, 22 miles to the gallon on the highway. Uh, when I'm pulling the trailer, it gets 12. So, you know, it has an equal impact. It's just different because of the ubiquity of gas stations. There, I use that word again. I'm always trying to find a place where I can stick ubiquitous or ubiquity in. I just like the way it rolls out of my mouth. Okay, I'm going to take my first break. I'll be back here in just a second. Okay, I got a question for you. Would, would you consider buying a flying car? There's only one way that I would buy a flying car. Well, I'd have to be able to afford it first, but they're coming, folks. They really are. You know, this uh, same technology that we use on drones, have you ever had a grandchild or a child or a son or maybe you? Maybe you're like me. I have a drone, a DJI drone. DJI, yeah, drone. And uh, I love flying that thing. I fly all over around my house, and I would just go up when I want to see what it looks like from up above. 
I'll uh, charge up my drone and fly it around. It has about, uh, it'll go about four miles away from me before it, it uh, will automatically return home. That's the cool thing about it. If it, uh, if my controller can no longer communicate with the drone, it automatically spins and comes right back to my house and lands within a few feet of where it took off from. That's pretty cool. Well, if, uh, if these drones work like that, if they're reliable, then I wouldn't mind flying. My dad got his pilot license back in the 50s. I just never had the nerve to do it. Um, I get my kicks, like I say, from, from flying my drone without me being in it. But um, the, the ability to do that is coming sooner than you think. Remember the Jetsons? That was one of my favorite cartoons. They had flying cars. Of course, I think they were in space, too. But the flying car was on display at the Detroit Auto Show. Uh, there's This one can fully charge in 60 minutes. It's electric, of course. Reach a speed of 155 miles an hour and climb to a height of 12,000 feet. Uh, the company that developed this one is called Air One. They're an Israeli company, and they're working with um, trying to get some capital and, and some manufacturing space in the Detroit area so that they can uh, market these things and have them on the market by 2024. So you won't have to wait very long. You could fly to Pigeon Forge, but you won't be able to pull your trailer. Okay, so I'm always trying to put the EV thing in perspective for folks. Let's talk about just a second here. I got a report on the uh, sales and registrations. The number one selling EV from January to July of 2022 was the Tesla Model Y. I guess that's a little um, kind of like a four-door crossover, about the size of a Ford Edge, something like that. Um, they've sold 116,673 of those this year, year-to-date. Tesla Model 3 is number two at 108,000. Ford Mustang Mach-E is a distant third at 22,525. Then here comes Tesla again with the Model S, then the Model X. And then Hyundai at number six with the Iconic 5. They've sold 15,000 of those. Kia with a very, I guess the twin of the Iconic, or the Ionic. Yeah, it's Ionic. Um, They've sold 13,000 of those. Nissan Leaf is number eight. Chevy Bolt, number nine. And the Kia Nero at number 10. I think what you're going to see over the next few years is this top 10 is going to dramatically change. It may take it more than that. It may it, two or three years. Tesla has such a head start on everybody else. And they've got that, uh, I don't know, that brand awareness. When you think electric vehicle, most people think, oh, you mean a Tesla? And they're, you know, they're ubiquitous now. <laughs> I found another place to put that word. I bet there's some people out there saying, I'll show you where to put that word. No, you don't really, you wouldn't think that, would you? I certainly hope not. Okay, somebody asked me the other day, they saw a, an addendum window sticker at a East Tennessee dealership. What is an addendum window sticker? Well, that's the sticker beside the sticker that raises the price. So, you know, if you go into, I don't know, a Chevy store in the Tri-City, or maybe that's a bad example, maybe a uh, Nissan store um, in the Tri-Cities, and you walk up to the car, and you will see, if it's a new car, if you can find a new car, um, it will have a factory window sticker, MSRP label in there. 
Uh, all of them are laid out the same. And then you'll see a little sticker beside that that, that has the add-on. Some of it just say market value adjustment, where they've jacked up the price four or $5,000. Is that legal? Yes, it is legal. They can sell them for whatever they want to. That's why they call it manufacturer's suggested retail price. You know, and there may be some other things on there. And uh, everything that they put on there, well, I can't think of anything illegal. That they, As long as they're disclosing it, that's what's important. Uh, you may see something that says some type of a protection package or paint sealant or something like that, which will include... Uh, something to protect the paint, the fabric, and stuff like that. It's all a bunch of hogwash, pretty much. Uh, the stuff that they spray, I mean, you should see most of the people that put this stuff on, they get a little like a, I don't know, Windex bottle and, you know, and spray it on the seats. And it's the fastest wax job you've ever seen in your life. The only real, I guess, thing that you can put on your paint that's going to do it some good is probably some type of ceramic coating. Those are um, expensive, but also valuable because they actually do something. But most of what they're charging on the, on the window sticker label is legal. It's just giving them more margin, you know, to work with. That's so that uh, they can turn right around and say, we'll give you up to $7,000 over book value for your trade because they've jacked up the selling price on the new one using that, that addendum label. So have they? will they really give you that much more for your trade? Heck no. We talked about that the other day, and that's another dead horse I won't beat. But I will bring it up occasionally because people need to be reminded. And, you know, everybody doesn't get the opportunity to listen to this radio show. I guess the thing that people need to think about, though, is with all those add-ons, are they negotiable? A lot of people won't go there. Um, they just don't feel comfortable asking for a discount. Uh, one of the things that I would recommend that you do if you walk up to a car and you see the addendum label, just ask them right there. They say, okay, well, this is the factory MSRP and this, this is the actual price we're selling it for. Ask them, well, what is all that other What is that other stuff? Make them justify it, and usually they can't. And then say, is that negotiable? Well, that'll catch them off guard because you're planting the seed that you're just not going to roll over for the addendum, okay? Um, it's it's just everything's negotiable, folks. If they say that they're going to charge you a processing fee, documentary fee, um, it's negotiable. It's especially negotiable if you say, okay, well, I'll just leave then. I'm not paying that. Well, you have to pay it. Well, I don't have to pay it. I can just go. I can go somewhere else. I can leave. I don't have to pay it. Well. Everybody pays it. No, well, maybe everybody does, but I'm not. You know, you just – and do you feel comfortable playing that game with people? I, I, I sense that there's 75% of you out there saying, no, I really don't feel comfortable doing that. Well, it will save you money, and you're not going to hurt their feelings. They're used to it. They're used to – they're professional negotiators. I mean, they just don't anticipate you pushing back on something like that. And so, I mean, I went to Lowe's one time uh, to buy a grill, and I was talking to this lady. Is actually the first gas grill I ever bought, and um, it had a price on it. And I looked at her and I said, "Is that the least you'll take for it?" And she looked at me like I was a, I was a Velociraptor or something. Uh, she said, "Well, I don't know." Well, can you find out? Well, yeah. 
let me go get my manager. Well, here comes the manager about five minutes later. Sir, can I help you? Yes. I was just wondering if if uh, you'll take any less for this grill. And he's, he kind of looked at me, you know, odd. And he said, well, let me go check. And he went and looked his cost up or something, came back and said, yeah, I'll knock $50 off of that. My wife just looked at me and said, I can't believe you. I can't believe you did that. Why? Are you embarrassed? Well, a little bit, you know. So can't please everybody. But I was cooking on that gas grill that afternoon, and I had 50 extra dollars to, to buy some steaks and salmon and so forth. So, you know, if you don't ask, you don't receive, right? You know, and I would venture to say that if you use this strategy in a service department as well, let's say they come back and they say, Mr. Lawson, um, you're going to have to replace your um, self-lubricating Congo bearings in your, um, your Chevy Lumina. And it's going to cost you $742. $742? Was that the least you'll take? I beg your pardon? Is that the least you'll take? I really don't want to pay $742. Well, let me go ask my manager. See, when, when they go ask the manager, um, you've, you've won half the battle. And uh, like I say, if you don't ask, you don't get. Most of the time, a, a business will will discount something they'll give you 10 percent off or they'll 15 percent off you know they'll look now they'll they're a lot more likely to work with you if you're a regular if if you're not a regular customer um you could say something like well you know i was just thought i was try, try you guys out and if you're not going to work with me i guess i could take it someplace else. oh hold on just a second let me see what i can do for you again um be nice don't be a jerk about it but well, some of you might say, well, Lenny, you're being a jerk right now because you're asking, you're making people feel uncomfortable. No, I'm not. You know, they're used to it. They just don't see it very often. And like I say, if you don't ask, you don't receive. Okay, one other thing I wanted to mention before I uh, take my break is if you're buying a used car, there is a, um, a code on the tires, and you can look this up online, um, but it will tell you the date that those tires were manufactured. You should not buy a car that the tires are more than seven years old on. That is the cutoff date. And the reason, that's not some arbitrary thing. That's the lifetime of rubber. And rubber loses its flexibility. And there's a lot of chemical things that are going on where it's breaking down over time. And seven years is the magic number that the industry has come up with. So if you've got a car in your garage that has 15-year-old tires on it, but you still have good tread, don't fool yourself. They're not safe. You need to put new tires on it. Um, I had a, a an antique car of mine that I'd had for, well, it was my Bronco. And I'd had that thing since, well, it's been about 12 years. And the tires look perfectly good on it. But I'm replacing them again. You know, because I may be driving. I don't have a blowout. And that's just something that you need to think about. Tires do age just like we do. Okay, I'll take my last break and be back here in just a second. Okay, I'm back. You know, it would have been nice to not ever have to mention the word pandemic again or the word chip, microchip, computer chip. Potato chips are fine, but any other chip, I'm sick of it. Um, but here we go again. Unfinished trucks are piling up in Kentucky. Uh, Ford has a big old plant in Louisville. Louisville, that's the way I say it. Um, not Louisville. That's if you live up north. 
the um, there's 45,000 vehicles sitting in the parking lot of the Kentucky Speedway up there. Uh, one of the vehicles that's sitting on that um, tarmac or whatever you want to call it is my daughter's new expedition. She ordered it, and um, they don't have enough chips, I guess, to finish it. But this is this is still going on, and folks, I don't know why this continues to be a problem. You know, it is really the culprit, the culprit for uh, things costing so much in the car industry is because they can't build enough new vehicles because of the shortage of computer processors. And um, I have already expressed my idea that maybe, maybe, just maybe, it's a conspiracy. And that this is a something where the government and, you know, and maybe the automakers are teaming up to restrict supply so maybe we don't pollute the environment and the automakers can make more money. I don't know. You know, you can form your own opinions about that. All I know is I don't have enough vehicles to sell. I'd like to have more. Don't need a whole lot more as long as they could build them faster. You know, if they could build them, the typical time frame that we used to always live by was eight to ten weeks, you know, to get a new vehicle. I've had people waiting on, well, I got this one guy waiting on an F-450. It's been uh, over two years now. And so finally, I think his is getting built. Uh, had a guy wait on a Bronco for over two years, several of those. So it's frustrating, and it's frustrating for us as well um, because we can't nail it down. But now that's changing in uh, 2020. By middle of 2023, Ford will have this new system called VinView. So if you order a new Ford, uh, you will be able to see where it is at any point in time. Even after it's shipped, it'll actually follow it. You'll be able to pull it up online and and watch it uh, come down the road to your local dealer or to your house. Because I, as I understand it, Ford is going to be wanting us to uh, deliver to directly to people's homes now. So we'll sh- we shall see whether that happens or not. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of My Car Guru, and I will see you uh, next time.